0: from the basement of the bob and tom studios it's that josh arnold podcast oh my goodness are we in the second week of may 21 we are man oh man time sure does fly don't she <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? We're back just in time because uh, our our guest this week uh, was only available this week. And uh, we're lucky to have snagged uh, this very special person uh, for my podcast, that Josh Arnold podcast. Uh, our guest this week... Well, of course it's you! Oh my goodness, will you look at you? Uh, a little time has passed, but uh, boy, you look better than ever, and I hope you're feeling well. Uh, oh my goodness. I guess it's spring, right? And um, the weather, uh, yeah, well, I hope where wherever you are, it's uh, delightful, and that you're enjoying the out-of-doors, and uh, maybe doing some spring cleaning inside, and... Maybe starting some landscaping outside. Whatever you're up to. Oh my gosh! I hope it's it's uh, making you feel feel good and uh, and comfortable and happy where you are. I, I you know that's that's important, isn't it? I hope that your house is a home. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> a house is just a building, my friend, but a home. Well, that's a whole other place, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. I uh this is why you tune in. This is why you listen for uh little nuggets of wisdom like that. Uh, real quick, I must tell you about this week's sponsor of that Josh Rundle podcast. Um one of my favorite things, I'm gonna be honest. This week's sponsor, a moist towelette. Oh, what I mean, let's say you're having ribs at a restaurant. Uh, what are you going to do without that moist towelette? You have to have them. I mean, they're just a must. Sometimes they're called wet naps. And I... Uh, when I would go to a barbecue place with my family, I would make a joke about... Uh, how I like wet naps. And uh, and and the joke would... Uh, well, let's just say my, my parents didn't really like me telling. <laughs> I'm sure... I was a teenage boy when I would do this joke. So I, I, I you can imagine what it was about. And um, I was proud of it because I, I made it up. And uh, it was dirty, but not so dirty that I would get in trouble. I would just get uh, sort of uh, Joshua, that kind of thing. But anyway, I love a moist towelette. Um, lemon-scented are fine. And uh, I also used to do a bit where uh, the, a girlfriend of mine uh, a while back... Had a six-year-old son, and uh, he loved this bit. This, this would make him laugh. Whenever we were at a restaurant and there were moist towelettes, I would go to reach for one, but I would overshoot the little container of them, and I would grab a sugar packet, and I would, <laughs> I would open it up and uh, pour it all, pour the sugar all over my hands, and start wiping my hands, and go, "Oh, this is the worst moist towelette I've ever used!" And he would howl. He couldn't believe how funny it was. You can you can try that. If you've got kids around, try the uh, the sugar moist towelette switcheroo, and I think it'll get big laughs. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I find these I find moist towelettes to be very refreshing. And uh, perhaps you will get to enjoy a moist towelette very soon. I hope you do. I hope I do as well. Well, as you can see, the basement is still uh Still unchanged down here. Uh, some of these leaky pipes are still uh, a leaking, and um, some of these uh, rodents are still a rodenting And uh, you know, it- it's got its charms down here. I, I wish I could eventually. I- yeah. Well, I asked. I said, "Hey, look for season two. Can I have a studio?" And uh, they said, "Well, of course you can't. Yeah, the basement is." And so I, I, uh, I'm-, I'm still down here in the basement. But every now and again, well, I should say every week. We like to break free from the basement, don't we? And yes, maybe it's just in our minds. Remember uh, Mr. Rogers? He had the uh, little trolley that would take him into, uh, what the heck was that called? Imaginary land or whatever play? I forget what he called it. But King Friday was there. The whole gang. Meow, meow, kitty, meow, and whatnot. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what we have here, isn't it? And I say, what are we waiting for? Let's hop on board the brand new JA Express, or Arntrack, if you will. And oh, what a lovely ride it is. But there's a new thing. Uh, Where's it going to take us? That's what we don't know. So we'll chug along here until we get to our first stop. Now... Uh, If you're basing this just on sound effects, uh, we're no longer traveling. But I I want you. uh, Oh, oh, here we are. Okay, we have stopped. (laughs) (laughs) The the conductor is letting us know we've come to a a stop. And, well, I look around and, my gosh, if we aren't in vocabville. Oh, what a lovely place to be. I love vocabville because it's where we learn a new vocabulary word. Now. This week's uh, vocabulary word, I am certain, some of you know, and I hope some of you use this word. It's one of my favorite words, and uh, uh, some of you, this will be new, and it's great, isn't it? Learning a new word, isn't it fun? So, this week's word here in VocabVille is a noun, and it's bacchanal, bacchanal. I love this word, it's B-A-C-C-H-A-N-A-L. So that's (laughs) B-A-C-C-H-A-N-A-L. I am a child. Bacchanal, it means, for those of you who uh, are just learning about it, uh, just a wild celebration, a crazy, out-of-control party, loud, uh, cacophonous. Hey, that could almost be a vocabulary word of the week, couldn't it? Cacophonous just means noisy and loud and sort of chaotic and Usually a bacchanal, uh, plenty uh, booze a plenty. All right, the alcohol is flowing, and it's causing the guests of the party to be loud and, uh, as I said, out of control. That would be a bacchanal, my friends. This isn't a, a, a cozy little tea party. I mean, this is like Andrew WK uh, throwing a, a house party uh on a lake i mean it's a bacchanal it's things are gonna get crazy so i love this word bacchanal it's something that were i to uh win uh, an academy award i would i boy the bacchanal would be legendary it would be nuts so not that winning an academy award is that important it's really not a, but well we'll get to that in a, in, a, in a little bit what a terrific visit to vocabville oh my goodness uh, not a lot of Bacchanals in Vocabville, uh, but, uh, because they're, you know, look, I mean, let's be honest, the citizens of Vocabville are fairly refined, and, uh, some might say they can get a little snooty, but, uh, they're also friendly, and, and, uh, they don't condescend. You know what I mean? They'll use big words, but they're not trying to make us feel small or unintelligent. They're, they, in fact, they trust us, they, that we, if we don't know a word, we'll go look it up. And, uh... They they just don't they don't talk down to us they but they do expect us to uh, rise a, a little bit to their level to meet them halfway if you will that, I, I, it's a lovely lovely area uh, and we will visit it again I'm sure <laughs> so but that's not it the J A Express uh, otherwise known as the Arm Track doesn't just make one stop anymore nope we keep a chugging along where are we gonna go next? Oh, my goodness! I told you there was construction happening, and uh, new track has been laid uh, and um, oh, new stations have been built in all kinds of counties. and uh, well, what have we where have we stopped now? My gosh, if we're not suddenly immersed in comedy corners, that's right. Comedy corners is where we uh, can talk about some of our favorite comedic things, whether it be stand-up or uh, improv or sketch, uh, anything that's sort of live comedy. Uh, not necessarily comedy films, because that's in a whole other berg, if you will, which I'm sure you'll find out about at some point. Or comedy, uh, you know, humor uh, books or anything like This is Comedy Corners, where we talk about Uh, the performance, the uh, the art of uh, comedy. Uh, You know, I've never been a big fan of uh, comedians. Well, you know, I'm an artist, and therefore, uh, I I don't know. I just heard you tell a joke about about, uh, your wiener, uh, and uh, that didn't take a whole lot of art. (laughs) But anyway, uh, no, and and by the way, I do consider it to be, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe not an art... I guess it's an art... Look, that's an argument that I'll get into at a Denny's with some open micers another time. We don't need to discuss it right now. So, anyway, here at Comedy Corners, we celebrate comedy. And uh, I want to let you know uh, about um, uh, these people. They Boy, do they make me laugh a lot. And uh, for those of you who are familiar with them, I I, I think you'll agree they're not for everybody, but... um, they, to to this day, still make me hell. I'm talking about the comedy duo of Nichols and May. This is Mike Nichols and Elaine May. And um, they were prominent in the uh, 50s and 60s. So I was obviously, uh, I was born in 1978, so I was not uh, familiar with them uh, until... I became sort of a student of comedy, um, you know, in my teenage years or maybe a little younger. I, I always loved a comedy of all kinds, even, heck, as, as young as, you know, four or five years old. I, I, I wanted to be a comedian. And so um, but Nichols and May are fairly sophisticated and um, also not as widely known as, say, um, you know, uh, when you're a kid, you're you're t- you're kind of aware. You're definitely aware of the Three Stooges, and you're sort of aware of uh, Laurel and Hardy and um, Abbott and Costello, and and you know older comedy. Uh, those things tend to get rerun a, a lot more. My, Nichols and May, um, uh, their albums were were quite popular, but they weren't. Uh, my parents didn't own them. I, I think they may have been. Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, and my parents have g- great senses of humor. My dad. Uh, was incredibly funny and loved comedy. And my mom has has a terrific sense of humor. Uh, but it's it's funny. I recently was talking about Nichols and May. My mom didn't know who I was talking about. So I think they might be. I was gonna say sort of. They were sort of out of my parents' league when it came. You know, the stuff they were doing was fairly would go over a lot of people's heads, and it was really ahead of their time. And uh, if somebody told me, you know what, I watched their stuff and I didn't really uh, get it, I I couldn't really argue with them. But there are some things that they do that I really would love for you to check out. Uh, Nichols and May, a young couple, they would do improv. They were uh, part of the original Second City and uh, the uh, Compass uh, players. And And so uh, they got to know each other at Second City in Chicago, and they would perform live. And they would take the improvisations that they did live on stage and made up, totally on the spot, and then they would take them uh, behind the scenes and uh, sort of sculpt them into sketches. So they would take those ideas and some of the lines and stuff and they would, they would uh, chisel them until they were these fully formed, perfected comedy sketches, and then they would perform those sketches live and on albums. And they are hysterical. They're so funny. Uh, there's one in particular, uh, there, there, there are some, I, I really would like to tell you about one is, uh, uh about a man who, uh, <laughs> he, uh, needs to uh, get a funeral going for, uh, somebody in his family. And so he wants the $65 discounted funeral. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you guys much about, uh, I'm not going to get into specifics of jokes and stuff because I really would like, you, <laughs> but so he's talking to Elaine May, who's playing the funeral arranger and. Uh, hilarity ensues. There's also one where Elaine May, I I would like you to look up this one, she calls her son who's away at college, and it's a wonderful and very funny and and, uh, completely universal uh, mother-son phone conversation. You know, it starts off the typical way. Why... I believe her first lines are, this is your mother. Do you remember me? <laughs> so it's that. And you got to remember, too, some of this uh, comedy may seem quaint now, but it, they were like the first people to do it. And that's always kind of fun when you watch old comedy. I watched a, an old W.C. Fields movie recently, and there was a gag in there. I don't exactly remember what it was, but he, but I remember going, boy, that's one of the oldest gags ever. And then I went, wait a minute, he may have invented it. That, was, that may have been the first time audiences saw that joke. <laughs> okay. And uh, so that's I, – I love stuff like that. There's another uh, sketch where they are teenage lovers uh, kind of sitting sitting on lover's lane and uh, easing their way into a potential makeout session or more. And the awkwardness uh, that comes from that, it's great. It's stellar stuff. Nichols and May. They eventually stopped working together and um, uh, they, they did uh, live Broadway shows and it was a hit. But Elaine said, "You know what? I I can't do the same stuff over and over." And uh, um, so they they uh, split up, and they had a bit of a falling out when they worked on a uh, a play that she had written together. But they eventually uh, became uh, friends again, and they uh, for the rest of their lives they consulted each other. Mike Nichols became a very famous director. He directed The Graduate and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and uh, he directed all the way up until his death, just a few years ago. He he directed the bird Cage and wolf and primary colors a terrific he directed one of my favorite movies based on a play called closer and it is brutal it's uh it, I, in terms it just the emotion and the raw uh humanity of it and it's i mean it gets ugly yeah uh, it's just it, <laughs> check out closer if you've never seen it with uh, julia roberts and jude law and natalie portman and clive owen it's it's a uh, it's a tour de force. And um, uh, Elaine May also directed and, and wrote plenty. Elaine May wrote The Birdcage, the screenplay for it, and she wrote uh, some other wonderful things. She sort of uh, went into Hollywood purgatory for a while because she wrote and directed Ishtar, which is one of the most classic Hollywood flops of all time um with Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman it's a movie that I actually I've talked about it on this podcast I think it's unjustly uh hated and uh it's actually pretty funny so um but she was definitely put in uh, Hollywood jail for a while anyway check out some Nichols and May and while you're at it check out uh this was like one of the first Emmy award ceremonies Uh, In the 50s, obviously, television was (laughs) super new and still not in every household. And uh, this was like single digit Emmy Awards, Uh, like the eighth annual or whatever. I forget exactly. But uh, during the award, uh, uh, during the award ceremony, Elaine May comes out and she's going to present. And (laughs) she she very uh, elegantly and professionally says, uh, and I'm paraphrasing because uh, if this is online, you, you have you have to look this up. I remember seeing it on an old television special. But she goes, uh, "You know, we, we tonight we celebrate the excellence of uh, everybody in this uh, this field and everything." And then she goes, "But what about the other people? I th- what about the folks who are mediocre in this field and year after year produce garbage?" <laughs> and this is this had to have been one of the first times where somebody took the piss out of. Award ceremonies. And so the audience is howling. And uh, and she goes, well, right now we're going to celebrate one of those men. And she said the winner for the most mediocre uh, television producer or whatever. And Mike Nichols is in the audience and he stands up and he's very happy. And he, he, he makes the, this walk, the walk to the stage and he gets up and he goes, oh, my gosh, this is just terrific. To to be acknowledged as being so average is just fine. And it, it's, it's just wonderful. It's very, very funny. And uh, I, I really implore you to look to look these these things up. Nichols and May, just one of the greatest comedy duos in history, and uh, their stuff it, it holds up. It holds up. It's still funny today. And um, hey, if you if you watch it and you go, you know what? I, I don't quite uh, see that. That's okay. It's all right. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm uh, better than you. Okay. There are other reasons why I'm better than you. There are. <laughs> No, no. obviously, it's comedy, all right? You're going to like some, and you're not going to like some, and and a lot of times we're going to agree, and sometimes we're going to disagree, but uh, do give them a look, Nichols and May, and that Emmy speech came to mind uh, recently because, uh, well, we had awards season uh, essentially recently, and it was a weird one because of uh, the pandemic and whatnot. The Oscars usually a big event viewed uh, by many, uh, you know, tens of millions, and, uh This year, was not that wasn't the case, was it? And there are a lot of reasons why. There are a lot of reasons, a lot of theories being thrown around of, uh, well, nobody saw the nominees. Uh, People didn't go to the theater. Well, okay, but a lot of those nominees were available streaming platforms all over, and uh, a lot of people have those streaming platforms. And then uh, people said, well, people don't like to watch the Academy Awards because they don't want to be preached to by Hollywood celebrities. Fair enough. I don't necessarily like I don't like being preached to by anybody, let alone Hollywood celebrities. (laughs) So that makes sense, too. And um, and other. Well, why would somebody watch a live broadcast when they can just watch the highlights the next day on the Internet? Also very fair. There are a lot of reasons why I uh, it seems people don't care as much as they used to. When I was a kid, this was a big deal. The Oscars were a big deal, and they were—they were—they were a big deal to me. They, I—I I would do my best to see. I would say, starting in in my teenage years, I would do my best to see every nominee and decide for myself what I thought was best picture and who was best actress and uh, what was the best screenplay and all that stuff. And then, even into my twenties, um, I would t- talk about the the nominees and the awards at length with uh, some of my best friends. Uh, Jared Thompson, who runs the Comedy Attic Comedy Club in in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, In fact, a couple of times I stayed over at his house. Uh, I would perform. uh, Well, we would do a fun thing. He would book me at the Comedy Club Oscar weekend, and then I would stay an extra night at his house. And uh, um, he and his uh, wonderful wife, Dana, and uh, their kids and I, we would watch the Oscars, and we had ballots, and we would fill them out. And uh, sometimes we'd say, all right, this is who's going to win. This is who should win. But this is who's going to win—that kind of thing—and we would uh, agree or disagree. And it, it was a lot of fun, and it—it it meant something to us. Jared's a huge cinephile, as am I, and so we love discussing it. But I have to tell you, um, and that 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 stuff happened in my thirties. But now I'm forty; I'll be forty-three in a few days, and I don't care anymore. I don't know what's happened. I don't know if it's uh, an age thing um where you kind of stop caring stuff that used to be important to you just isn't anymore other things are um i'll be honest my the the glitter and uh i got you know what i'm going to say dignity of the academy awards the, the shimmer sort of started to dull a, a long time ago for me when the year that schindler's list came out um Raf Fiennes was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for the uh, incredibly evil uh, Nazi that he played, and and he was not. And I, when I saw that nomination, I went, "Oh, well, he's he's going to win." Uh, what what? He was amazing in that. Uh, I mean, watching that movie, every time he's on screen, the temperature in the room drops thirty degrees. He's so chilling and defective in that role. Who else could possibly win? And he didn't win. And uh, so that's fine. But the issue I had was a lot of uh, academy voters, and some of them were anonymous and some weren't, came out and said, I couldn't vote for him. He was too, I, I remember, oh, I, I, boy, this. I remember this infuriating me. He was too realistic in that role. <laughs> and, I, and I remember as like a, uh, when the hell was that? What was that, 93? So I was 15. And I remember as a 15-year-old going, isn't that the point? And aren't we awarding people these awards because they were so realistic in the roles? They were so good at pretending to be these other people that that's why they win? Uh, what? And that's the first time I realized, oh, this isn't necessarily about who was the best. It's also about who made people feel the best. Or uh, And then I started really kind of researching it. And uh, I went, oh, my gosh, so many people have won based on other things besides their performance. And the opposite would also happen. Do you remember when my cousin Vinny, uh, Marissa Tomei, won Best Supporting Actress for her role in that? And she's wonderful in it. And when Jack Jack Palance came out and said her name, there were a lot of people who went, oh, my gosh, he must have read the wrong name. And uh, he didn't she she won most the most votes went to her uh, and for good reason and but people couldn't believe that such a uh what they considered slight role or light uh, it was comedic and it was sweet and it was light it wasn't some uh awful depressing crazy role like uh Ralph Fiennes performed um so don't don't uh mistake me here i'm not saying that one super dramatic role deserves an award uh, over, like th- that's all who should win what I'm saying is the person who encapsulated the character the best and in, in those years I think Marisol Tomei encapsulated her character the best I don't remember exactly who the other nominees were I recently looked them up but I can't give you the list now and it, it's she was but people thought oh well that must have been a mistake no it wasn't she earned it so all these things and then I also went, well, that's just my opinion that she earned it. <laughs> and slowly but surely, over the years, even though I still enjoyed the Oscars and I still enjoyed watching them, I had issues with all of them. And uh, uh, But over the years, ah, man, that shimmers really started to dull and I, I started to see, you know, the flaws in, in them. And, and then I went, why, why, why am I so uh, invested in this? Why do I care that much? All I care about are movies being good and, and and enjoying myself and and admiring uh great art and performances and direction and writing and all that stuff. So that's what I do now. I don't care about the Oscars anymore. And I and that theory um <laughs> has never I haven't seen that come up yet this year. Of uh, I've seen well, they don't care because they don't care about the politics, or they don't care because they didn't see the movies or whatever. I don't know. For me it's Eh, I I don't care because I don't think it really matters that much (laughs) whether whether a group of people said something was good or not, because it's not always about the art. It's a lot. A lot of uh, social politics and a lot of other things come into play. I mean, (laughs) and there's also a glaring amount of hypocrisy in Hollywood. I used to I used to always. This used to make me laugh out loud uh, because of how uh, how much hypocrisy. <laughs> so the red carpet is obviously a big deal. I never cared for the red carpet. I just wanted to see who won the awards, and I and I I you know what I wanted to see speeches. Uh, I, I love when people thank other people and stuff like that. I just love that. So um, the red carpet. Here's what would happen. You would have these uh, A-list actresses come out, and they go, you know, this year's so wonderful. Uh, so many women have done so many wonderful things for film this year, and uh, and a lot more uh, females are behind the camera. And uh, finally, we're getting uh, our due, and, and women are making as much as the men actors are, and, and the roles this year were just so juicy and wonderful, and uh, everything's great. And the person interviewing them would go, oh, yes, that not that wonderful? Yes, finally— Women are are are, are getting what? Uh, who are you wearing? <laughs> and all of a sudden, the conversation would go to their dress, the, the the most materialistic thing. And and inevitably, the actress would go, "Oh my gosh, this is a uh, uh, oh I don't a Versace. I don't know who makes dresses. This is oh yes, and I had this made, and it was uh, and this this necklace comes from. Wait a minute." <laughs> Uh, what, what are we, I mean, so you're talking about, <laughs> to me, it just seemed really bizarre. There's a balance there. I know. Yes. We can appreciate the work of the, uh, of the actress. And I guess we can also appreciate what they're wearing, but isn't uh, <laughs> there's, they haven't quite figured out the balance. Right now, they're still kind of mutually exclusive, in my opinion. (laughs) To me, I don't know that you can go, uh, oh, everything you did this year was so wonderful for feminism. Now, uh, what color shoes are those? (laughs) That's a a weird thing to me. uh, Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. And I think there is a lot to be said for uh, some people just don't care to hear about what. In my ideal, the ideal Oscars for me occurred. It did occur. It happened. Uh, it was um, the year that Heath Ledger won for The Dark Knight, and the only reason. And um, I, I'm not saying that these were the ideal Oscars because he won. I, I do think he should have. But what they did that year is something that apparently uh, me and only like a, a few other viewers enjoyed because they they haven't done it since. But to me, this is what this is what the Oscars should be when it came to. The best performances, when it came to Best Actor, Best Actress, uh, there were there were five nominees, five or six, I, I apologize, I, I don't remember exactly. I think, um, anyway, uh, and they had five people come out and um, speak to the five nominees. So I remember uh, Best Actor, they had Anthony Hopkins come out and they had uh, um, all these terrific actors line up and one by one, each actor would go. I remember Anthony Hopkins, with Brad Pitt. What you did in the movie *Benjamin Button* was amazing, and here's why. And they gave like a two minute synopsis of why that person was nominated that year, and it was a total celebration of the arts of cinema. It was. It was. I mean, there may have been some political speeches. I don't remember exactly. But I just, the way they did it, it was like, yes, this is why, this is what this should be, a celebration. And I I really feel like most award ceremonies have lost that feel. It's not about the art and the mediums anymore. It's about other stuff. And that stuff, I I know it bores me. And, uh, I, you know, so anyway. The Oscars don't mean as much to me as they used to, and awards don't. And I've been up for awards, and I've won some, and uh, it it does feel good. It feels good to be nominated. I remember I wrote a, uh, a a script for the Larry Sanders Show when I was in college. We had to write a uh, we we had a uh, write scripts if you were a well, that was one part of my major, and you had to write scripts for existing television shows. And I wrote a script for the Larry Sanders Show, and it uh, was submitted to uh the the webbies is what it was called because I went to Webster University and so they would have awards for best student film and best uh painting by a student stuff like that and so this was best screenplay written by a student and my, and I was nominated I did, I didn't win but I it was fun it was great to to be with your peers and uh hey man yeah you wrote a cool thing and and so did you and wasn't this fun I I really liked it but in the scheme of things it doesn't it doesn't matter too much awards and uh it's the ceremony to me that's what matters i, I love that the uh winners don't matter as much to me anymore i love the movie nomad land and i'm like the only one of that i know <laughs> now i've had some people i talked about it on the air one morning on the on the big show and i i said you know what i love nomad land everybody else on the show hated it who saw it and um i got i got a couple emails saying you know what no i liked it too and uh, i saw what you saw that kind of thing the merits in it and everything but i would never argue with somebody who said they didn't care for it why it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter to oh man okay well i'm sorry you didn't enjoy it but what did you like that's my that's the kind of stuff i uh, you guys know me i like talking about things we all we all enjoy, and, and if you didn't enjoy it, oh what didn't you like? It, it, that's that it's that that it's the, the conversation and the ceremony surrounding art that I enjoy. It's not the prizes themselves or certainly not uh you know whether the winner agrees or disagrees with the president. Good lord. <laughs> okay, so um you know something else that's uh, tangentially related to this. <laughs> Kids today get somewhat of a bad rap because of things like participation trophies. You know what I mean? It's like, well, these kids today, they all they all get participation. They get trophies just for showing up. When I was young, I had to uh, win to actually get a trophy. Uh, fair enough. I'm not a big participation trophy guy. Why? Because I think um, that uh, you should aspire to winning the trophy. If you don't win one year, you can go you know what man next year that i, I i'm going to i'm going for it i'm going to win that trophy and if you don't the ne- the year after that you go ah i got to work a little harder and uh, to me it's incentivizing um uh, participation trophies uh, i don't you know i get not wanting to hurt kids feelings but i also think but here's the problem with it all right it's not the kids fault that they're getting a participation trophy it's the parents fault if the parents uh, 20 years ago, if somebody said, hey, maybe we should give all the kids trophies. If the other parents went, what are you talking about? <laughs> we were never doing that. And they then the people who complain about the participation trophies to me are the people who invented the participation trophy. The kids didn't. Now, yes, the kids may have gone, oh, boy, I, I sure wish I had gotten a trophy. But to me, this is lazy. And by the way. Feel free to uh, rip your radio out, or or throw your phone into a lake, or whatever. When I say because this is going to anger some of you, because uh, I, I'm not a parent, I I have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> or or I should say this, um, I may think I know what I'm talking about, but I don't have the actual experience to back that up. Okay, so I totally know that, <laughs> but but what I would what I do think is lazy. Uh, insecure parenting may have created the participation trophy in here and uh, my our, my producer Jason is a, a parent, a wonderful dad and he and I have talked about uh, p- parenting a lot. So I, I'd be interested to see if he gives me a thumbs up or a thumbs down here. But what I mean is when your kid says I wish I had gotten a trophy instead of going uh, you did for participating <laughs> doesn't uh, Shouldn't a parent go? You know what? You know what, honey. Next year, work a little harder and uh, uh, try. You know what? we well, practice more. And uh, if you really try and you really work hard, there's a strong chance you are going to get that trophy. To me, that's what I would do as a parent. I'm not. If look, if you didn't do that, but to me, the participation trophy it was not meant to ease the feelings of the kid as much as it is <laughs> to ease uh the feelings of the parent. <laughs> I don't have to discuss some of the harder things of life with my child because I can just hand them this trophy for showing up. I I prefer incentivizing uh those things. And I also would not care to to get a participation trophy. I really wouldn't. To me, that smacks of humoring me and uh uh, placating me, and I don't want to be. I, no, no, thanks. I don't need. I don't need it. Now again, I'm a forty. I'll be forty three. So it's. <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> winning things is of course nice, but yeah, I don't have to have it. To me, there uh, other there are other ways to win than by actually receiving a trophy. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're listening, and you're part of the uh, podcasting. Uh, judges of America, and you want to give me some award. I'm not. I, look, I will show up. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but just having fun with you guys is really the winning. And playing, playing, doing your best. So maybe that's, you know what, maybe that's the happy medium. Instead of a participation trophy, let's give out some trophies. You did your best. And that might not go to every player. But boy, will it go to those players with heart who left everything, who really tried. That was always the thing uh, that I was raised with. Uh, I, I was bad in gym, all right? I w- I've always been uncoordinated. I, uh, I like playing some sports. I'm just not good at it. And plus, when I was a kid, my weight fluctuated. Sometimes I'd be skinny, uh, but a lot of times I was a chubby little dude. So, uh, And that that was all through school. And so, uh, like now, I will look at some pictures from like my junior year and go, "Man, I was thin and didn't know it. I thought I was fat, but I, no, I was thin." And uh, um, I wouldn't listen to the people who go, w- "Why are you drinking a slim fast at lunch? You're you're thin." And I go, "No, no, I've got to lose some weight. I had something going on." So anyway, uh, um, the uh, my point is, I, I was not good at sports, but and I would get sometimes I would get like Cs in gym and. Uh, my dad would go, "Oh, you must not have tried very hard," because he would talk to my gym teachers. And there were times where I got A's in gym and sucked. I was bad, but my gym teacher went, "You know what? He's giving it his all. I can't fault the kid for not having bigger muscles or or having better coordination. He he's really really trying." And that's when I would get good grades in gym. And that's to me, that's a really good teacher to be able to pick that out. And go okay. He was last uh, running a mile, but I—I I, I mean, boy, he never once stopped. <laughs> that kind of thing. And my dad always said, if you try, and he was—he coached my soccer team for a long time, and he knew the difference between me being bad because I wasn't trying and me being bad because uh, I, I just—I just didn't have the ability. But I was—I was working my butt off, and—and and, uh, he knew and he would go man you really tried hard <laughs> and he was so and he really made me feel good about it he did it feels good to tr- sometimes losing doesn't feel bad it feels good to to do your best hell uh the ending of rocky that's a, that's what that's about if you remember in the first rocky and i uh, you know spoiler alert he doesn't win but you know what he doesn't do he doesn't he 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 makes it all the way through he 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 he's never knocked out and he's never TKO'd. He uh, uh, well, no, no. I think it was a decision at the end. And anyway, the point of the movie was he made it round after round. He was still standing. And yes, his eyes are swollen shut, and he looks insane as he's scree- screaming <laughs> for for the love of his life. But uh, he's he's still. Uh, wouldn't it have been funny if that movie, if he had been screaming, Adrian, Adrian, and she runs up in the ring. And, uh, and finally gets a look at him and he looks so gross and she just goes, oh God I'll, I'll talk to you in like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just ends. Anyway, uh he he, he did it. He didn't get a tro- He didn't get any of the uh, he didn't get a, he didn't win. he didn't get the championship belt. Uh, he uh, he lost, but he won. Oh I love that. I love it. Anyway. Enough of uh, that. Well, no, I guess I do uh, I do want to say one other... Whatever. Oh, fine. I'll move on. I'll move on. It does bring me to a new segment that's going to happen every now and again. And I think this is fun. It's super nerdy. But I hope you enjoy it. It's it's what I call, If Oscar Had Any Guts. <laughs> oh, yes. I know that song sounds familiar, but... Uh... It's, it's still here. It's just going to be used in different ways now than it was. If Oscar had any guts. Now, what this is, I'm going to talk about a performance that I think should have been acknowledged by the Academies. And, and, and by the way, I realized the irony of me going on and on about... Uh, <laughs> How the uh, awards in the end don't really matter. And now I'm doing a segment about, well, how come this guy didn't get an award? (laughs) Look, I never said I wasn't full of it. All right. I never I've never claimed that once in my life. (laughs) But no, I think this is a fun thing. This is, in my opinion, somebody who should have who should have at least been nominated for an Academy Award and I think should have won. This uh, The year is 1986, all right? And I submit that a nominee for Best Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture should have gone to Bill Moseley in The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. That's right, and I am dead serious. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I totally mean, I, I mean this in all earnestness. Bill Mosley played a character called Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and his performance is as good as any film portrayal that year. and I'll prove it to you <laughs> actually I won't, but I'll, I'll what I should say is and I'll bloviate on my opinion further <laughs> Here are the nominees for 1986, an actor in a supporting role. Donna Michi for Cocoon. A fine, uh, look, and these are fine performances. Well, this one I haven't seen. Klaus Maria Brandauer in Out of Africa. I know, I haven't seen Out of Africa. I have the book and I haven't read it yet. So I'm going to read the book and then watch the movie. I'll get back to you. I'll let you know if old Klaus uh, deserved his nominee. William Hickey in Pritzy's Honor. Yes, he should have been nominated. You guys all know William Hickey. He's the uncle in uh, Christmas Vacation. The blessing that guy, Robert Lo- Robert Loja in Jagged Edge, a fine thriller, and Eric Roberts in Runaway Train. Now, if you've ever seen Runaway Train, it's a fun movie, and he's he's completely good. Eric Roberts is good in it, but Bill Mosley as Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. That performance is so bold. And insane. If you don't know, if you've not seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, there's a good chance you're not going to. Because if you were into that kind of movie, you would have already seen it, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but he plays essentially the brother of Leatherface, the uh, chainsaw-wielding maniac that's uh, the face of, uh, no, uh, uh, well, you know what, pun intended, of the franchise. So Chop Top, uh, he comes, in, he walks into this radio station and uh, he demands to hear this this recording of a murder that he helped uh, facilitate. And uh, the DJ's like, what's going on? this guy's a weirdo And uh, he uh, he plays a man with a uh, <laughs> a metal plate in his head and he does the weirdest thing. He has a hanger that's kind of folded, a metal ha- a wire hanger and he scratches the skin on his scalp where the metal plate is and he just kind of picks at it and then he 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 uh it's a really bizarre thing and he's so menacing but also so funny and odd and i'm telling you he deserved an academy award nomination when you watch him you go who is this person and also no one else could play that role no i don't know uh, i don't know who's better uh, than bill mosley in in this in this role i mean you know if you're a horror fan you know Bill Mosley from a ton of horror movies he's an, he's a rob zombie staple he's in he's in the uh, uh firefly uh, f- uh trilogy house of a thousand corpses and devil's rejects and all he's he's a, a huge part of the the genre itself and um i just think if oscar had any guts they would have gone you know what this guy was as good as anybody and uh it's a weird, I'm telling you, this performance is w- so wonderfully bizarre. It's, 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 it, you're going to get a kick out of it. Uh, it's a grisly, it's a grisly, grisly movie. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily saying, hey, you guys should go watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, because it's, it's pretty gnarly. But, uh, uh, he, he was overlooked. All right. So if Oscar had any guts, they would have nominated Bill Moseley for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 in 1986. By the way, Don Amici won for playing an old man in Cocoon, which was a hard role for him because he was a very old man. <laughs> 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 but I think that's one of the cases where they, uh, they gave it to Don Amici for his career, not necessarily that one role again he's fine in that role he's a, he's a terrific actor but he's just as good in trading places as he is in cocoon and he wasn't nominated for that <laughs> so anyway uh oh a que- i i i'm going to start something also um where some weeks i'll just do all uh, of your questions but other weeks we're just going to have one question of the week. And this question has come to me uh, from a handful of people. And um, I-, I apologize for not uh, reading your names, if that's why you sent in the question, because you wanted to hear your name on the podcast. Well, I, uh, you know what? You didn't win this week. Here's your participation trophy. So uh, the question of the week is, where in the heck did Aruba Ray come from? Now, if you listen to the Bob and Tom show, you know that occasionally I'll d- d- dip into this character named Aruba Ray. And uh, hey, it's Aruba Ray. And he's real smarmy and he runs a, a bar called Aruba Rays in Aruba. And he, um, uh, very shady, very questionable work ethic, very questionable uh, behavior. He, he's, look, if you. And he often says, if you need somebody to bury a body, I've got all this. He, he can do it. All right? He's not a, he's not a good man. Now, Aruba Ray uh, originated uh, one morning on the Bob and Tom show when we were doing our Allie Breen segment. And Allie Breen, some of you will remember this, but uh, many have asked about this. Allie Breen uh, did her one. She, uh, it's one of my favorite things on the show. She She calls in once a week and uh, send, reads us letters from uh, the lovelorn, and we do our best to answer them, and usually it's uh, our answers are ridiculous and not helpful at all. Uh, I tend to be sort of serious during it because I'm so fascinated by relationships and stuff like that that I, I kind of give real answers, but um, it's, it's so fun, that segment. And anyway, usually uh, when the segment is ending, Tom will ask, hey, Allie, where are you performing next? And one week, early on in her uh, calling in, it was one of her first segments. Tom said, well, where are you going to be this weekend? And She said, oh, I'm doing shows at a comedy club in Aruba called Aruba Rays. And uh, I laughed because immediately this image of some guy, <laughs> hey, I'm Aruba Ray. Uh, I just went, hey, and I just did it. And the voice is kind of, um, uh, it's inadvertent, but it's got kind of a Love Brothers feel to it for those of you who are loyal fans to the Bob and Tom show. And it's also a little bit of a comedian named Bob Biggerstaff, who's a friend of mine. And we would always, and uh, Greg, he's one of Greg Warren's best friends, and we always, uh, he, he, hey, buddy, like he he talks like that. And so we would always go, hey, Bob, <laughs> whenever we see him, because he does kind of talk like that at times. And so uh, it's a little bit of Biggerstaff, um, but it's got that uh, Love Brothers uh, grease on it, I'm going to say. And uh, um, uh, and he is an Aruba Ray is a real man. He he really does run a comedy club there, and uh, by uh, most accounts, a very nice guy and a very <laughs> legit business owner. So so uh, we've kind of run into problems because since he is a real guy, I I don't feel like I should do a ton with him. I would be doing more with him, and the idea of, of my Aruba Ray is that he's in Aruba because he. He's hiding. He can't be on the mainland of the U.S. and he can't be in other places because he's he's wanted. And uh, <laughs> so he's hiding in Aruba and uh, running a very uh, gross establishment. So that's how Aruba Ray started. Just as soon as she said it, I laughed. And then I went into this character of uh, I just started improvising why, who this guy was and how he had this s- sordid history. So it's very fun to do, and people seem to like him. And but I can't do a ton with him because what I have, what I need to do is contact Aruba Ray, the real Aruba Ray. Maybe this is the way to go. And go, hey man, I've been doing this silly character called Aruba Ray. Do you mind if I do it? Or what? But I don't know. I don't know how to handle it. And and also I do get nervous that he does uh, creep into Love Brothers territory a little too much. And I know the Love Brothers. Um, uh, aren't necessarily doing new stuff. But I uh, I still, uh, I, I want Aruba to be his own thing, so I'm still kind of trying to figure him out a little bit. Now, if you like, feel free to send me a message at joshpodcasts at bobandtom.com uh, because my thought is, well, what if I just changed his name? It could be, Aruba Ray is so perfect, that name. The R there, there's that slight alliteration of R, R and Ray and, and uh it just works so well that I don't know if I changed him to Aruba Pete or Aruba Dave or something. I mean, the explanation would be that he had to change his name because he was getting, you know, people were looking for him and, and they were getting too close. But uh, let me know if what you think. If you're a fan of Aruba Ray, um, and if you're not, that's totally fine. He's he's completely obnoxious and <laughs> uh, he says some dark things, so maybe he's not your your cup of tea. But um, If you are, how do you feel about a name change? I'd like to hear your opinion on that. Uh, Jason is saying Aruba J. Aruba J. Hey, it's me, Aruba J. That's not bad because it also, it's the first initial of my name. Um, I will consider Aruba J. So let me know your thoughts. Or maybe if we change it to Bahama Ray. or I I don't know. There are a couple different ways to go. But if I do make a change, I feel like I can do a lot more with them. If uh, <laughs> if that's what people would like. So anyway, uh, that's the question. A great question. And, um, well, you know, I-, I talked a lot about awards. Yeah, too much. Hey, I'm just, what do you want from me? I got rolling and uh, I had some a lot to say. Yeah, I'll say. Oh, just giving me such a hard time. Man, oh, man. I'll try to keep it briefer next time. Well, you'd have to. Oh, there's no winning with you. So, uh, we're still going to uh, cap off every That Josh Arnold podcast in the way that we have been with what we could work on this week. Oh, listen to that bass line. How about that? Boy, that, that... this sounds like practice. this doesn't sound this doesn't sound like somebody is like playing a song. I mean, who played who heard this and went, oh, we gotta lay that down. <laughs> this is somebody browsing at a guitar center. <laughs> anyway, we may have a <laughs> we may have a, a different song. We're trying some things out. <laughs> so we may have a different song for uh, this segment next next time. No, I I, I take that back. We're we're definitely going to have a different (laughs) song. Or I could even put it this way. Next time we're going to have a song, not somebody screwing around with a bass guitar. (laughs) So, I think this is fun, and I really uh, would love if you gave this a shot, and if you do, please tell me about it. I say, this week, and again, I'm full of it, because I, I, I did go on earlier about how awards in a sense don't really matter but i think recognizing somebody for their accomplishments does so what i what i'm asking you to do and i'm going to do this is i would like you to make a certificate or an award or something for somebody in your life just take a couple seconds or yeah you know a couple minutes and um it could be uh, it could be anything tape a paper clip to a pencil and, and hand it to the person and go you know what this is your award for being the friendliest uh, office m- m- member <laughs> at our job. You know, that kind of thing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be silly. And it's going to put a smile on their face. And But also go, you know what? I know this is a silly award, but I really do appreciate Every time I walk by this desk, you're smiling, and you ask me how I am and how my kids are. And uh, it, it, I just want you to know, it really does mean a lot. And so here's your award. I, this is a fun, nice thing. Does the award itself matter? No, and that's the whole point. It could be a folded Post-it note uh, just in like a triangle or whatever and just go, here is your trophy for being uh, always on time. Or, or uh, uh, you know what, uh, daughter, you, because I know all parents just refer to their kids as son and daughter. <laughs> uh, daughter, you uh, sure have kept your room clean the last two weeks. Here's your award, uh, your trophy for uh, cleanest room. I, it's just a nice, fun thing to do this week. Give a little recognition and uh, be silly. Just give them a a little token, a little a physical trophy. Uh, because hey, award season has come and gone again. Oh, I'm sure it hasn't. I mean, heck, the country in, the country music industry has an award ceremony uh, every two weeks or something. You know, and fine. Get together, celebrate, whatever. But uh, go ahead and do this yourself this week. And, uh, you know, I think it would be uh, a good... Bye!